Hello, and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And uh, I'm the guy who doesn't know about anime, Malcolm Cloud. Uh, so for those of us joining in, each week I select an anime series for Malcolm to watch and three episodes that best showcase that series' strength. And uh, last week's anime was My Hero Academia. Uh, Malcolm, what was your final assessment of it? Um... I enjoyed it. I, I feel like me, kind of upon reflection, maybe I liked it a little bit more than I was giving it credit for. Uh, it's still, I don't know. I mean, I'm still, anime is not like my favorite uh, genre of entertainment. So it's, I'm always, you know, I feel like every time we're watching one of these things, I'm, you know, it's a bit of a grain of salt. So uh, I still think it might be in like the top two of what we've done so far in, in the series, uh, this podcast, but yeah, so it's, um, it's watchable. It's, it's watchable. Okay. Um, and we did talk, we didn't talk enough about how the fact they are making a live action movie of it. Um, uh, Malcolm, who would you cast as All Might? Um, as All Might, um, I mean, it's do you cast? You have to cast a child. I no, uh, All, All Might's the big guy. I don't know. I don't know any teenager actors, so we're not going to cast Deku. All Might. This is how like how in and out I go. Which who is All Might? <laughs> You've already forgotten who who is one of the the three main characters. Uh, All Might was the big guy, the uh, the main the the superhero, the captain. Oh, the oh that guy. Okay. Because yeah. Um, yeah, he becomes really scrawny too. Uh, I feel like I know he kind of already basically did this role recently in uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, uh, but I I think Jake Gyllenhaal would be an interesting choice. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I think he can do the like all-American aspect, but he can also do the fraud like I'm super skinny kind of thing, like he did in uh, Nightcrawler. My 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 choice is uh, based more on their body type, which is uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if we're going down the wrestler route, might as well, you know. I mean, I, I'm thinking Dwayne the Rock Johnson for All Might, and then for Endeavor, his rival John Cena. Yeah, I could see that. It's or you just or you go Jason Statham and basically do Hobbs and Shaw in the mind. Yeah, but Jason Statham is is small. I think you need two two physically big dudes for two physically brutish superheroes. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's I my know. opinion, at least. I don't know wrestling, so outside of John Cena, I, I've never yeah. watched wrestling either. I just, I just know them from their fun, dumb movies. Yeah, I guess they would both do well. Like they're both, I th- they're both like really charismatic, funny actors. And and we're not expecting a ton of quality from this movie either. <laughs> Is it a Netflix movie? Nah, uh, Lionsgate has the rights to it. I don't know if it'll ever get made, but you know they've claimed the rights to a lot of things, like this very um series that we're going to talk about in a second. Um, so Malcolm, do you like giant robots? Um, okay, after watching this, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, I remember uh, I remember when we first met back in 2013, there was, there was one giant robot movie you really did not like, and that was Pacific Rim. Yeah, I think Pacific Rim is overrated. Um, I think uh, it's a movie where they uh, really... I mean, I, I went into it being like, this is going to be really interesting. It's Guillermo del Toro. Uh, you know, you got these giant robots. It's like, it's just an interesting world. Charlie Day is in it. Uh, he's a comedic uh, uh, part in the movie. I really love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. 
Um, but yeah, and then every single fight scene that they have in that movie takes place at the bottom of the ocean, which we all know is notoriously just pitch black because there's no light. So you couldn't see any of the fighting because, oh, guess what? We're just doing it in the dark. Or like, oh, the monsters come out and it's in the dark. Like I wanted, like there was just a few moments in that film where they're like, oh, look, the monsters come out and it's broad daylight. So I thought it was a huge cop out. Uh, I know some people disagree with me on this, but yeah, I think uh, it's just overrated. And I can, you know, you can see why it was overrated. That's the sequel didn't do very well. It's not like we hear about it. It's like, oh, they're going to do that Pacific Rim 3. I didn't even see Pacific Rim 2. They, I have not even seen Pacific Rim 2, even though I, I watched the movie and I thought it was fine. Um, I thought the way the robots worked was way too confusing for its own good. I think that's my main thing. Well, um, then, well, that's the other side of it, where it's like, well, you need to have two people. One will be the left brain and one will be the right it, brain. I'm like, come on. It, it was it was a lot for its own good. Uh, I did like the casting, though, um, a set of the supporting characters. I like Charlie Day. I liked his buddy who was played by Bern Gorman. Um, I love Ron Perlman, of course, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, Charlie Hynum is pretty good, too. Idris Elba has a good part in it. Yeah, he's, he's in uh, that. I really liked um, the Japanese woman whose name escapes me right now. Yeah, I, I can't recall her name. She I was, I mean, the best part acting in that movie is the that little girl who's in it. The little uh, oh, who plays like her girl. in the flashback? Who plays the yeah. Japanese? that's the best acting that in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and there's some heavy hitters in that film. So. There are. Um, we we all remember the line: "We are canceling the apocalypse." Yes. That, um, that goes down in like today is our Independence Day. Yeah. It's um, like that. So today we're covering a show that's arguably the most iconic uh, giant robot or or mecha as they refer to it uh, series. Um, Mobile Suit Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans. Um, so basically, the past three weeks we've covered shows that more or less fit into that shonen genre, but mecha is kind of something that's a genre all to itself. It's got its own set of tropes and its own set of a very complicated history. Um, given that we're certainly going to cover more mecha shows and even more Gundam stuff, uh, maybe unfortunately for you, Malcolm, uh, I'm just going to lay down the basics or else this is going to turn into a five-hour podcast. We we can spread out our mecha history uh, throughout many, many episodes of shows we cover. Um, but one thing that's important is that mecha officially started in 1956 with the manga Tetsujin 28 Go, created by Mitsuru Yokoyama. Uh, it was about a robot created by the Japanese in a last-ditch effort to win World War II. Uh, but thankfully for the Allies, this robot didn't get around to fighting them and was instead remote-controlled by the son of the robot's creator, a 12-year-old boy who dedicates his mission to peace. Uh, very, that's very, very good. He dedicated his mission to peace and not um, destroying America. Uh, fast forward to 1972 and our boy Go Nagai, who was creator of uh, the wonderful erotic comic we talked about last week, Shameless School. Uh, he gave the world something that wasn't erotic. It was uh, called Mazinger Z. Uh, it was a robot piloted by a person instead of being remote controlled. And Mazinger Z created a number of tropes, like having the main robot being able to combine with other robots, like Voltron, kind of similar to that. Uh, Mazinger Z was a massive hit. And we will inevitably do a deep dive into that show soon enough. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but with the success of Mazinger Z, a number of similar shows spawned and spawned also a lot of lucrative merchandise because uh, this genre is uh, very merchandisable. 
so finally in 1979, Mobile Suit Gundam de debuted on Japanese television. And this was created by Yoshiyuki Tomino and the anime studio Sunrise. And the robots of this series were inspired by the power armor of the 1959 novel Starship Troopers, uh, which spawned a very good movie that a lot of people uh, have misinterpreted. <laughs> have you seen Starship Troopers, uh, Malcolm? I have. I remember I've watched it. It's, uh, it's, years it's one ago. of the best satires that people didn't know was a satire when it came out. Yeah, a lot of people think it's supposed to be this like serious movie that like was just like, oh, it's so bad, it's good. But I was the whole time when I watched it. I watched it when I was pretty young. I must have been like probably fourteen when I watched it. Uh, I was like, this is hilarious. Like, this is so funny. And, and the um, only actor who's clearly knows what the joke is is Neil Patrick Harris. Everyone else in that movie is playing it very straight, and Neil is the only one who's like, oh, I get, I get what this is going for. Yeah, so it's inevitable that he became the biggest actor uh, that's from in that movie. Like, it, like it was Casper, also like so clear that he Casper was Van Diem, uh, his career did not take off to the point where he actually returned to those movies in their uh, crappy sequels. I'd like that they reboot it. I feel like that would be a like a good. Uh, you know what? It's a fact. I I like what the director did. Um, God, his name uh, name first. Uh, name escaped me. God damn it. Uh, I'll correct myself. Um, but he basically read that book and he was like, oh, this book is a fascist piece of shit. And instead he just made fun of it. Yeah, and I, I like that. Um, I also, I think it was written by the guys who wrote RoboCop too. Which yeah, I, and again, like that same, same director team. did Total Recall. It's the same team. It's Paul Verman. Paul Verhoeven, exactly, yeah. Verhoeven. Yeah, he did RoboCop. Um, and t Was it Total Recall? Or shit, was Total Recall someone else? Fuck. I'm going to do a quick oh, search. You do that. You do that. Uh, yes, he did do uh, Total Recall. He did Total Recall and RoboCop? Fuck, man. Good for him. Yeah, and Starship Troopers. Like, yeah, that, that's, yeah. A, that's a good track record. But, but, then, he also, but then he also did uh, Showgirls and uh, Basic Instinct. I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure those movies had more satirical elements that people didn't pick up on. But um, this, yeah. is not, this is not a Paul Verhoeven podcast. Maybe Blank Check with Griffin and David will cover him eventually. Maybe. <laughs> um but though, um, though Mobile Suit Gundam was technically geared towards children, Tamino's intent was to tell a real story about the horrors of war. And that series was about a war between the Earth Federation and the space colonies that consult constituted the Principality of Xeon. Uh, unlike previous series that he worked on, which featured alien antagonists, the villains of Gundams were uh, humans. And pretty much every Gundam series has always featured human antagonists. So they don't really fight aliens at all, except for like one spinoff movie I watched. Um, so that's actually something that kind of makes it stand out. Um, the humanity of the heroes and the villains is something that makes the best Gundam shows stand out. Neither side is particularly good or evil, with the so-called villains being just as interesting as the protagonists. Now, I'm not going to get into too much detail about the remaining history of Gundam, because as of this recording, there are 47 anime adaptations, including feature films and shorts, because I'd go blind if I tried making distinctions between them. But I will say to make things easy that Gundam basically has two types of series. There's the Universal Century Timeline, which features the original series and any spin-offs set within that timeline, and the Alternate Universe series, which feature a vast array of different stories within different universes. And don't get me started on the novels, manga, and radio plays, many of which have yet to be translated officially. Uh, but even these Alternate Century stories uh, share a number of common tropes, like an emotionless child soldier protagonist, and a blonde-haired asshole who's the rival of the hero. 
And also, if you see a purple-haired dude who's friends with the blonde asshole, then you know he's going to get killed by him for sure. Uh, so let's get into the show we're covering, which is indeed an alternate universe story. Mobile Suit Gundam Iron Blood Orphans is set 300 years after a war between the Earth and outer colonies occurred. This war is referred to as the Calamity War, and its heroes are citizens of Mars who crave freedom from the Earth government. Is Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans the best Gundam show? Absolutely not. Uh, but thanks to it being on Netflix for quite a while, it's become one of the more popular Gundam series in recent memory. And while it doesn't quite hit the highest highs of Gundam quality, it's a solid entry-level series for someone like you. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> I, um... That was a lot. That was a lot. And that was my short version of the, of the history segments. I'm, yeah, I'm impressed. I'm also terrified at the same time that there's so much going on with the, uh, the Gundam genre within, I guess, anime. Gundam I, is a genre unto itself, arguably. Yeah, I guess you can really say that. Um, and that makes it, yeah, kind of, this is such an interesting, like, like even the, to start off, like the name mobile suit gundam iron-blooded orphans is so excessive like it's like i like the name of it, it was just like iron-blooded orphans like that'd be an interesting well because mobile suit gundam is like the the name of the, the overall series so you can't you can't really leave that out is it yeah that's what uh, that's what every gundam every gundam series is mobile suit gundam blank this that's um th that's wild if, to find out i wouldn't I don't think it's a good title. I think it's a bad title. Well, mobile, um, uh, let's go off, off the top of my heads of the series, Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, Mobile Suit Gundam Zeta Gundam. Maybe, maybe I'm, you know, I'm just going to scroll through these to make sure I'm, I'm not totally, <laughs> the list of Gundam series. Yeah, of, for me, that's kind of like being like uh, space yeah. opera, uh, adventure, uh, Star Wars. Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam. So at least Mobile Suit Zeta Gundam isn't completely ridiculous. They put the, they put the the spin-off title within the, the title itself. Uh, yeah. Mobile Suit Gundam, the 8th MS team, which is actually a good series. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Double Z. Turn A Gundam. Oh, oh. Mobile Suit Victory Gundam. <laughs> After War Gundam X. So there's, there, you know, I'd, I'd say 80% of the titles have Mobile Suit Gundam within them, and there's like 20% that kind of break it. Uh, yeah, I'm just glad I watched the right one. Um, you know, you, uh, you know that's the funny thing because again, there's so much goddamn Gundam. Um, you watch the right series for this one, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Anyways, let's let's kind of get into this first series because honestly, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm the anime expert here. I feel I feel it is my duty my duty to say how much I love the shows we're covering. But when I but when I rewatch this, I'm like, this show is very mediocre. <laughs> It really is. All right, it's I can, really mediocre. I, I don't feel bad saying this. I hated this show. Like you hated I, it. Oh, really? This, eh? This was a hard watch. All right, and like it's already like I have to psych myself up to watch some of these shows just because like I it's uh, animated is so foreign to me. But this one was like I was like trying. I had to like just trying to stay awake. Like, and it's only that only happens when I'm watching something I feel is very boring. And I try to always get something out of everything I consume, but this was just hard. Although what was funny was, so I watched this on Netflix mm -hmm. and I, I put on the dub. I didn't, I didn't do just, yeah. 
I, I watched it with the dub. But then I also put the subtitles on, and the subtitles and the dub do not align whatsoever. I guess this, I guess because the subs are matching the English trend, the translation of the Japanese. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, there was like lines where I mean, it's uh, there's localization to be fair. Localization is a thing. So you know. I guess this one was just one. One of the moments was like uh, they would say like in the dub like "Give me a break," but it would be subtitled as "Gosh." <laughs> it was like these really like, uh, See, that's, so a, like that, that's a good that's a good localization though i think give me a break is a far more natural natural word than gosh especially if, for a show that is you know pretty dark actually at least in these three episodes i'd argue yeah so like at least that made me that made me chuckle that was a funny like but then i had to turn it off because that was distracting yeah, for sure man like, the localization versus the subtitles it was just like oh these aren't close whatsoever like there'd be lines that would run longer than the subtitles and there'd be subtitles that ran longer than the lines that were actually spoken um yeah, so yeah so let's, let's get into the beginning of the series it begins with a flashback with uh the two uh main characters mikazuki and uh his buddy uh orga yeah that one i was uh I don't know. I just didn't know what was going on. I was like, who are these people? It wasn't like a very interesting scene. There's not uh, a lot of, there's not a lot of exposition in that first episode I noticed. Cause even the no. stuff I, I, you know, I mentioned the calamity war at the beginning and uh, that stuff isn't even mentioned in these three episodes. Yeah. They, well, they mentioned the calamity war uh, at one point uh, in one of the episodes, I think it's in episode five where they're talking about the moon. Okay. They're like, oh, the you know, will we be able to see the moon? Because I guess you can't see the moon from Mars, mm. which makes sense. I I assume. I, I um, I'm not an astronomer. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. But and but then they were saying that the war that uh, the moon was destroyed because of the calamity war, which means, and this is what I was thinking, mm. uh, that if you destroyed the moon, wouldn't you in itself destroy Earth? Because um, it would it would negatively impact Earth. I don't think it would destroy Earth. I mean, yeah. Well, I'm uh, thinking more of how the water and the tides. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Earth would still keep going. Um, plus, yeah. we don't even again. This is an alternate universe century show, so we don't even have a reference for what year it is. No, yeah, that was the one thing I was like. We okay. don't know if it's the year 2500 or the year 2000. Yeah, so this is definitely set in some sort of future, in my opinion. But I just yeah, didn't know for sure, it's definitely in the future, but it's a very vague future. But yeah, um, so, so they're just like, yeah, there's there's a lot of just like, we're just dropped right into it. And I was almost, when I was uh, watching, I was like, are we like, is this like, epi like, am I missing a whole like season? Yeah, and, and again, when I rewatched that, I was like, oh God, uh, it does kind of feel that way. Um, this show to me, I feel is the definition of a Netflix binge show, because I remember watching it, the overall scope of the show, I found to actually quite enjoy when I first watched it. I think the show doesn't lend itself well to individual episodes really it's definitely something where it's like you watch like five at a time each day yeah it has the feel of like a movie cut up into parts yeah and you know i i'm not gonna lie dear listener i probably fucked up the uh, <laughs> the choosing of the episodes for this one but i was also kind of concerned because again there, there are moments of the show i do really like um there's a lot of big moments the problem is they're our, the format of this show does not lend itself well to covering something that is so goddamn serialized. <laughs> even yeah. even more so than something like My Hero Academia. Um, because this show is, again, there are major character deaths, but, you know, how how is someone like Malcolm supposed to understand the death of a, of a character if he's seen them once? 
which you know the the listener may not they they may have seen ten whole episodes with them. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I don't watch these. Uh, I don't watch anime, so it's it's not like I've had any uh, experience of what might have been happening. And mm. you know what's funny is what's happening is because we've been watching enough anime on Netflix, it's starting to destroy how my Netflix views. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm getting you a might lot have of to make anime. a separate profile. Yeah, I might have to. Like, it might. And, uh, and is this anime uh, profile? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm still finding what I want to find uh, regardless, but I think it's funny when it's starting to now pop up with more like anime. For sure. It's um, really pushing One Piece on me. That's like the one. And I don't uh, even know. Well, what we'll is. get to One Piece soon enough, buddy. We, I've got my plans. I just, you know, we're still waiting. Um, what was it though? So yeah, we've got two two characters. Mikazuki, who's this kind of short uh, black haired kid who's, who's basically the, the Gundam pilot of the series. He's the fighter, and then his buddy Orga, who's uh, kind of kind of the boss of, of the whole gang, because this crew of iron-blooded orphans. So it's all about these child soldiers. They work for these private military companies, and uh, they do bad shit. Yeah, see, that was the thing I was trying to figure out, where one of my first questions is, is this set at a juvie facility? Uh, or is this an orphanage? Where are they? Are they kids or are they adults? Yeah, I, I guess with anime ages, you've really been thrown off by everything. Eh? <laughs> yeah, I was like these, but like because like I, I knew they were gonna. I thought they would be younger. Like mm-hmm. I was like, okay, maybe they're like late teens, early twenties. But then there's like that one girl in the shop that mm-hmm. we see in this episode, and she feels like she's the anime equivalent to like twelve years old. Oh, the uh, the brownish haired girl. Yeah, she's like the really yeah. short one. And, but and she's clearly in love with uh, what was his name? Not Orga, but the other Mikazuki. One. Mikazuki, like he, there's clearly like uh, you know an infatuation with Mikazuki. But then I yeah. was like, is Mikazuki like you know ten years older? It's like you, you can't. Have nah, a- he's, he's like a year or two. It's not. It's not a super well, creep. There's, really? there's some more creepy age differences later on in the show. <laughs> because because um, that one was that was kind of creeping me out. I was like, you can't like. Her character model is so young. Yeah. Compared to his, where it's like, yeah, you can make an argument that he's like 21. Mm. No, Mikazuki, they're all teenagers, I believe. I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to double check Orga, but again, this is, it's called Iron Blade Orphans. The characters are definitely on the, the main characters at least are on the younger side for sure. Yeah, they will. Like, obviously, they had to be orphans. Um, the title of the show. Yeah. So again. This is, again, this is so, I feel so, un- I've never felt so unprepared for a show we're talking about, despite watching it quite a few times. <laughs> uh, because, I, yeah. Go on. I was going to say that one of the things I did um, notice is I felt like with this show is that it's like the most racially diverse anime we've seen yet. I guess so, yeah. Like, there's like, um, you know, there's kind of everyone's represented. Um, and I kind of liked that. There was, you know, there's a couple of black guys, mm-hmm. some, I presumed white people, you know, Asian, kind of everyone was there. There was actually like women with agency in this show. Yeah. Which is like, you, I didn't realize how few like, like female characters don't have, or like have agency in these animes we've watched well, so far? Well, it's more just the ones I've been picking. Let's, let, let, let's, let's attack me for some of that. It's maybe just my own personal preferences I've been throwing on to you. Well, they, well, that's the other thing. It's I only have like what we've, the catalog of what we've done so far on this show. Yeah, so you've, so, had, you've had four series to watch. 
So this is so this is the first one, and I I expected this. You know, it's again the genre is very diverse, mm. and I think you know you're gonna see more diverse characters as it goes along. I assume. Yeah. Oh but, yeah. We've got, we've got some shows on the list, but certainly but, my own personal preferences of action shows have been have been propping up. But I did so I did appreciate. Well, I appreciate that you uh, uh, admitted to that, but I also was like I did like that. That she was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm gonna, I wanna, I wanna do something. Her uh, and her name being the rich girl whose name yeah. escapes me right now. Kudelia, Kudelia. Yeah, Kudelia. Um, because she, I don't know, if, is she from Earth or is she from Mars? Yeah, so she, she is from the Earth Federation, and their their goal is to base their goal throughout this first half of the series, basically the first 25 episodes, is to basically um take her to Earth um, for the sake of a peace treaty between the colonies and stuff like that. Yeah, because it's implied in this first episode that her dad's allowing her to, like, run off to be with these orphans as some sort of sacrificial pawn. You know, there's a lot. There's a... The, the other Gundam show I was considering was a show that was simultaneously much worse than this, but also far more fun to cover. But I did want to give this, uh, this series a bit more of a fair shake. Um... We will inevitably cover Gundam Wing because it was the first uh, American Gundam show, or at least, you know, the first one to come to the West. But I didn't want us to be too mean. Uh, instead, I picked something that, if anything, is even harder to cover. Because, again, yeah, this... Um, so, yeah, basically, Kudelia, she's she's this, you know, diplomat, and, you know, she she's there to for the peace treaty. But then uh, things go south because this other evil mercenary company called Gallarhorn, which is kind of the representative, of uh, the Earth Federation uh, decides to kill everyone. Yeah, they just kind of show up out of nowhere, and I don't know who they are. I thought that like that they might have been Earth people. Um, because yeah, just... but again, this this first episode really gives like zero exposition at all. Yeah, like it just they show up and they're like you know kill everyone, the Gallyhorn people. There's like a fight. You know, we get a little bit of like with the Matt, or I guess the Gundams. Is that what? Uh, I was so thinking? only, only the only the main thing is called a Gundam. The rest are just other robots. All right. So the ro- the, the Gundam is all the Gundam is always the main the main Gundam itself. Okay, because there's like these back implants that they st- they have this exposition. Yeah, that, about. that's a new wrinkle. That's a new part of like just this universe. Um, Which is like they're like. They didn't even give him anesthesia, and then he was cracking wise at you know he was a wise ass when he had this like brutal surgery. Yeah, and then they like they punched him for being a wise ass, and then there was like implication that if he had cried during the surgery, that they would have also punched him. You know, it's it's and a it, bunch of rough and tough kids. Yeah, and this is just supposed to be like ah, this is us sharing war stories. And you're like, this is horrifying. Like, this is just like a horrifying. And to be and to be fair, the show as it goes on definitely gets into it. Um, Mikazuki uh, has definitely one of the most depressing character arcs of any Gundam protagonist I've ever seen, um, as he gradually just becomes less and less of a human. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, when he, he meet, when he meets Cadelia in the episode. Oh yeah, he doesn't even like shake her hand or whatever. What is that? Yeah, he goes like, my hand's dirty. And she's like, well, I'm, she was like, oh, well, I'll shake it anyways. And then he's like, he was like, you know, it's assuming that we're born equal. Like there's something about like, you know, uh, that he like, oh, just kind of almost doesn't see himself as equal. Yeah, exactly. To her, even though she's trying to like reach out to him. And then that sets up, uh, at least in the episodes we watched, uh, a bizarre love obsession that Cadelia has for uh, 
Mikazuka. You know, you know what? The girls in Gundam shows they they love they love the broody guys. Yeah, they they yes. love the broody ones, and and Mikazuki is is pretty damn uh, broody. Um, so yeah, let's kind of speed through this first episode because again, I I watched this episode an hour ago, man. I don't know why my memory is so bad with it, but it even though it's twenty minutes long, it does feel like. We get introduced to the characters. We get some, you know, talk, talk. I, I find a lot of the character designs in this show to be uh, kind of forgettable. I mean, Orca's awesome. He's got the cool white hair and he's got, you know, the weird uh, cowlick, whatever you want to call that. Yeah, he's good. I also really like Biscuit. Biscuit's awesome. Biscuit's awesome. I, I figured you'd like Biscuit, especially given Bis- his name. <laughs> yeah, Biscuit is my favorite character. I wrote that down on my, like, when we watched the other, the second episode, again, the third episode, actually. Yeah. I was like, First line was Biscuit is my favorite character. Biscuit's um, a good dude. Biscuit is a real good dude. Yeah, he. I was like, I'd, I'll watch the Biscuit show. I'll watch what Biscuit's doing. I don't care about anything else. And yeah, it is like there's a big fight. They kind of seem to win. Um, there was oh yeah, this implication of like oh there's like you know you have to put in the landmines earlier and then they end up. You know, like, I, I, I like that part. I like that part. The fact that that pays off. It did pay. I was like, all right, at least that paid off. But uh, and then there's this like weird. Uh, we're jumping around a lot, but there's this yeah. weird uh, scene where there's a guy and he's like in his office. And he's trying to get some stuff from his um, from a safe, and he's like, "Oh, what's the name of my childhood female dog?" <laughs> I like oh, that. My, I like that actually. My female dog. Do you know what my female dog? I was like, "Are he? Do you just want to say like bitch? Is that like this whole? Because it almost felt like the implication was talking about Cudelia." Because uh, Cadelia is like, in the yeah, I, you know, I, I like that like, part. Again, he was just, you know, another. He was. Um, there's definitely a lot of class conflict in this series, um, and I, I do love how the rich guy is just such a fucking dope and just, you know, trying to turn tail. Yeah, so I was kind of a weird. I just thought it was like a weird scene, yeah. but I also was like, it was, it was there. It was such an awkward attempt at humor mm-hmm. that it almost like. It kind of worked against itself, but in like a positive way. I know that doesn't make a, a lot of sense, but yeah. it's like, it almost like I don't. I'm trying to think of like a good example of like a famous like movie where it's like the jokes land so badly that they're actually funny. Like, like that's how I felt. Like it was just like this mm. is, should not like have landed, and it didn't really land, but it then became funny for a different reason uh, mm-hmm. uh, than its intended purpose. Um, and there, there's one other character I think we should talk about, which is the guy with the Hitler mustache. Yes. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> I was like, this guy has a Hitler mustache and I only kept calling him like Hitler mustache. He's, you know, um, like what was, what's his whole deal? Because you it know, seems like he's like an ally to the kids, but. And you know what? I will say this. And within these, within these three episodes that I picked, we picked, you know, episodes one, three, and five. Um, he does have a bit of an arc that completes, or at least a fate that is completed. Uh, I'll say that. Yeah, that it does, like, it did pay off that, um, by the end of this. So, yeah, anyways, this first episode, yeah, it ends with the kids being betrayed, and uh, Gallerhorn decides to go full uh, ham on them. Um, but then I decided to pick episode three instead, because I wanted to uh, go to something a bit more eventful, an episode that had a, a bit more of a bigger fight scene. Um, did you feel super thrown off by missing just one episode in between or, or were you able to pick up? I was able to pick up. Like, I felt like actually episode three 
was way more coherent than the first episode. For sure. Because like, I think you're like settled into the world at that point. And so you're just kind of like, okay, I'm here. I wonder if you could have just gone right into episode three without episode one and like how different it would be. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, fuck, man. Maybe I, maybe I could have done the show better because that is a fair point. Uh, but then again, you did, it does give you the backstory a little bit of uh, Cadelia. Yeah. Um, but then they, it's, it's a weird, this is a weird one because I don't know what, whatever the episode or it could have been, I still don't think I would have liked it at all. Um, so, I, and I did end the, after the first episode, my last note was what happened? Like what just happened? I mean, there, there, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now what happened in episode two, basically there's a battle and then some other stuff happens, but you know, you, you missed a fight scene. That was just kind of it. Just Mikazuki destroying people with his Gundam as, yeah, as yeah. these shows kind of, as these shows kind of happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I know. I was talking about just the events of the first episode. Oh, like, word. It's like, it's like so much was just, but I, I guess that makes sense. But yeah, going into episode three, yeah, there's like a weird scene right off the top where they're in this kitchen and it becomes clear that Cadelia, you know, so rich, she's so mm. like so pampered that she doesn't even know how to cut vegetables. And yeah. there's these two little girls, I guess these two little girl orphans, and they say like, you cut a veggie's with cat claws and i don't understand what that means like in terms of like putting your hands like they're little cats and then cordelia does it but she's like oh hand like dog paws i was like that's not how you cut vegetables at all <laughs> you're you're really hung up on the uh, the vegetable cutting in the show i mean th- well this was i was just like again is this like another like attempted humor mm-hmm. that just fu- fell so flat that and then maybe like it's not even that it's not funny is that comedy is is this com is this the <laughs> this comedy, comedy of this, of this uh, um, like... so the mo- the moment that sticks out for me in in the first portion of episode three is uh, the fact that Mikazuki just kills a bunch of prisoners of war. Yeah, that was also really fucked up. I was like, what? Like, are they bad guys? Like, if they just shot those guys in cold blood. So. Like, I will say this: the Gundam sh- Gundam is like, like I say, even though Gundam on the one hand has giant robots and it is incredibly marketable towards children, it is a show where the majority of these show these Gundam series are pretty fucking dark. Is it? Is this a children's show? I think it's more of a scene, and I think it's more teenagery. But it's also a show with giant robots, and um, you know how Z- we're, we're recording this podcast in the wake of the DC fandom, where um, Zack Snyder said his. Uh, superhero movie was a movie for grown-ups and um no if, if your movie has characters with capes you your movie is not for grown-ups i'm sorry i don't care if they swear or they cut people up they're still inherently for children and i feel that way about giant robots all children love giant robots yeah i mean that's true there is like it needs to be for all but i guess they they also are so unabashedly like hey if you're a kid get ready to grow up fast. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I already find myself contradicting myself. Um, there are a couple shows we'll cover, giant robot shows we'll cover that are definitely for adults, and they're far better than this. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I, again, that's the weird thing about Gundam in general is that it is the show that does have these, like, really powerful ideas on its mind, but it's also the most marketable fucking franchise out there. 
Yeah, like I what I wanted was like I almost wanted them to like take it a full step further, which is like like they, if they're gonna be these like ruthless people, like just do it. Like don't be like the ones with the moral compass. Like have uh, Orga sort of like become a tyrant. Now maybe he does become a tyrant. I don't know. I've only watched episodes one. Um, again, like. That's the thing. I feel this show is just so much better to talk about in the context of binging because on the one hand, it's forgettable, but it also has these big moments that you do remember. Yeah. Like, again, like, you know, I don't want to spoil the show, but I will say there are interesting plot developments. There are interesting choices. Again, when I was binging the show, not looking at it on an episode-by-episode basis, I was having a good time. I'll say that, dear listener. Like, if you're you're down to binging this, you know, 50-episode show, you'll probably have a pretty good time. It'll be like Umbrella Academy. You'll enjoy it. You'll remember five things about it. And then the rest you'll forget. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. No, I mean that's not really what movies you know, a good movie is about. It's a right? Netflix it's a, show. It's it's a it, it was a it's a anime made for Netflix, even if it wasn't originally made for Netflix. Yeah, it this seems to be a show from what you've described that it's like really helped by the fact that Netflix exists now. Yeah. So I don't know it, wh- when this was produced, but like it feels very much like, oh yeah, they just benefited from the fact that it's like on a platform like Netflix. For sure. And again, with 50 episodes, you know, if you, if you do the math, 50, episodes, 50, 24 minute episodes, even less with, um, you know, the intro and outro, like it's not that, it's not that long. You could definitely finish it and not the length of equivalent to, you know, maybe two Netflix seasons, two 10 episode Netflix seasons effectively. Oh, so this is, this is 2015. That's when the show came out. Yeah, it's around the time Netflix started. Yeah, only five years ago. God damn, it feels like, it feels like forever ago. A lot's happened. A lot's now. happened. 2020 has aged us all. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Mikazuki uh, has murdered a bunch of POWs in cold blood. Mikazuki, yet, yet again, the show reinforces that, yes, Mikazuki is a very messed up child. Yeah, that was why it was like, is Mikazuki actually a child? Because, like, he's doing some things he's, where you're he's, like... He's a tween. He's a tween. He's Yeah, this is, like, the most hardcore tween. But then again, like, in theory, like, the Hunger Games kids are, like, tweens as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're doing some really fucked up shit. So, um, that's, yeah, I guess it's just keeping on... Keeping on yeah. the bandwagon. Keeping on the bandwagon. Um, so, yeah, um... Let's unless there's any other details of episode three, let's move to the big battle, which I do think is a pretty well, fun. Or oh yeah, of, the, of episode three, the big battle of episode three. Yeah, I mean, are there any details? Because again, this this show, it just kind of it just kind of moves and moves, and uh, the moment that stick, sticks out for me, of course, is the battle that finishes this episode off. I'm not sure if there's anything uh, else from yeah. episode three. That I think out. I think the only thing that was surprising is that this is like some sort of company that they're now running. That was yeah, like... so that that leads into the battle, but yeah, so basically they fight the. Uh, the, uh, he's not the head of Gallarhorn, but he's, you know, like a top general in Gallarhorn, which is kind of the evil Merc company. And this yeah. guy at least is, like, somewhat honorable. He's like, I don't agree with their ways, but I just have to fight for uh, fight for my army, basically. Yeah, he's like, and it turns out Gallarhorn uh, kills children. That's sort of one thing. Well, it's because they killed those very same groups from uh, the group that will be known as Tekadin in a minute. That, those yeah. are the children they're talking about, the uh, Mikazuki and his companions. Yeah. Also, I like that this villain's name was Crank. Yeah. Makes, makes, Crank is a good, like, villain name, especially for a guy who pilots robots. Yeah, it's no uh, Robert E.O. Speedwagon, but Crank's, uh, that's a pretty good one, like, just, like, for a side character, it's like, yeah. got Crank and Biscuit. 
for uh, Crank, who does not last long. He uh, he dies fighting Mikazuki. Um, did this fight scene uh, stick out at you as anything particularly well animated? Did you did you enjoy it at all? Yeah, I guess that was the one. Like uh, like when the fight scene did occur, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting to watch. Like because mm. unlike Pacific Rim, where they've decided to you know have other fight scenes in the darkest areas of the planet, mm. uh, they've you know this one was like out in the open. It's you know it's just very thrilling. I mean, there wasn't as much tension because I, I kind of got the sense that like you know Mikazuki has to win. Like he's like mm. going to win. Um, and they also say like about Mikazuka, they're like, oh, he's rough around the edges. He's a walking contradiction. Like and like it's kind of cut between this action yeah. scene and like Kodila and Orga like talking. But yeah, the fight just concludes. I guess they pop out of their machines. Yeah, and, like and Crank... Mikazuki wins, of course. Yeah, but like Crank's got like injuries, and Crank goes like, I'm too cowardly to kill myself, and like Mikazuka without hesitating, just like. Oh, he, a he doesn't even let him thank him. He doesn't even let him thank him. He's like trying to give the big, the big, uh, you know, you know, this is the end of my day speech or whatever. And Mikazuki doesn't even let him finish a fucking sentence. Yeah, and that was that was shocking. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, he's a he's an angsty, angsty little guy, um, and things do do not get better for him. Um, yeah, yeah, so that's kind of where episode three ends, and then episode five we get to have a space battle. You know, it, it wouldn't be a Gundam show without a space battle. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize that would be a, a hallmark of a, a, Gundam, a Gundam show. I did like that. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. They're moving it to space. Um, still better lit uh, in space than in Pacific Rim. It's, it's almost as if animation, because they don't have incredibly expensive CGI budgets where they have to hide all their imperfections under, the, under darkness. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's probably why. 100%. I'm always like, anytime I watch like a super CGI heavy movie or TV show, I'm always, I always pay attention to how darkly lit it is. I'm like, oh, you're doing this because you're trying to, trying to hide the CGI. Oh, 100%. That's why I'm like, I'm always like, I'm kind of, would you would assume that like on the other spectrum of like having it be more bright, you would also like miss the imperfections as well. I mean... Um, I guess I guess with it being dark, you can't just see I don't know pixelation or I, I don't know the exact term. So someone, I know, who, yeah, I don't know. V, I've never worked in a VFX house, so I don't yeah, know, I don't know what the secrets of the trade are, but but certainly um, certainly darkly darkly lit scenes are are definitely um something we've seen. It, I saw them in the Wonder Woman two trailer, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, where they're clearly trying to hide uh, uh, Kristen Wiig's uh, <laughs> uh, cheetah cheetah CGI. Oh, everything yeah. about that movie. Everything about that movie looks pretty good, and I have no idea, listener, if that movie, this movie, will be even out. It'll probably get postponed, I'm sure, yet again. But everything about that movie looks quite good, except for the fact that they had to shoehorn Cheetah into that movie. Is is Cheetah the uh, an actually influential? She's like uh, a Wonder top Woman? three, top three Wonder Woman villain, which is unfortunate because that means they have to put her in a movie, even if she doesn't really work. Oh, interesting. I see. I didn't know that. Okay. I, don't, I guess I don't know the. I don't know what the Wonder Woman uh, Rogues Gallery very well. I, I've read. So, I've read quite a few Wonder Woman comics. Brian Azzarello's run with the New Fifty Two was actually a, a highlight. Um, yeah. 
I've heard his is good. Also, can we just say that like we're talking about Wonder Woman because we don't want to talk about this this show? Yeah, well, you know what? Um, I, I can thankfully say um, this won't be a two-hour episode because it seems like we're already kind of nearing the end. I feel. Um, yeah, there's a space battle. Um, there's like can... these. There's like a moment where there's like during the middle of the space battle where there's like these two guys who you i haven't at this point i don't really know who they are there yeah there's two antagonist guys who i don't really care about the blonde haired one i like because he's an asshole um but there's like gillyhorn like i think they're gillyhorn people but they each get their own voiceover like there's yeah like a 10 second voiceover clip of one one of the guys has black hair too just like mikazuki which confused even me yeah, that one was uh, like, does Mikazuki have like a brother who's now on this side of the fight? And I was like, that would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. It's just a guy who wants yeah. to avenge Crank. He's all about like, he killed Crank. I must kill him He because he killed Crank. And and as someone who's watched the show, I can thankfully uh, say that I don't remember him at all. So uh, clearly he does not matter in the context of the show. Um, yeah. But what do you think of Blondie? Blondie... Blondie is a pretty awesome character. I'm disappointed these three episodes we covered didn't have enough of him. Uh, his name is uh, McGillis. Did uh, did he strike out as you as uh, anything in particular? He's qu- he's clearly a villainous man. Is he a villainous man? Like oh, uh, you, oh, you, you, oh the villain, the not the blonde haired guy, blonde haired guy who's you know all he looks a bit it, like Dio. He's what, what is oh, it? Oh, from Gillyhorn, the blonde haired Gillyhorn yeah. guy. Yeah, he that one was. I like the very last scene where. He's like, because uh, one of the arcs uh, we kind of alluded to is the Nazi stash guy uh, is sent in some sort of uh, space coffin. They finally are just like, fuck off, you're out of here. Yeah, and they give it to him. Uh, and he's just laughing maniacally. He's like, ah, um, there's, I think, uh, and so I was like, yeah, there's, I can see how he's is going to become a bigger part of the story because he's like the most charismatic villain and he i think he was i'm if i'm not mistaken at least in the first episode he might have been an underling of cranks and that he was starting to undermine crank yeah um, that's that t- that's a tendency with any blonde haired character in gundam uh if there's a blonde haired person on the uh, antagonist side um you kind of know they're up to no good so you know you have him uh there's also a blonde guy who's uh tekken yeah, he, you're, he reminded me of a lot of the random My Hero Academia characters. Where again, they're 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 there to you know be a cast member basically. You know, he's kind of a rowdy dude. He's like, hey, hey, guys, let's you know do this. Uh, I still forgot his name. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't remember. He just like kind of for me at least had a bit of a um, that there was this vibe of like Top Gun with oh, him because sure. he's, he's like hey let me you know are you gonna do it you know let me do it and they're like you know you always want the glory he's talking to orga uh and orga's like fine you go do it and he like completes the mission and helps uh Tekden, uh survive mm. this battle uh and then at the very end like when he comes returns he's like so are you gonna do this again and he's like no no way in hell and everyone laughs on the ship um <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I like that kind of influence where it's like, oh, this is very clearly influenced by those, like, yeah, 80s, like, military, yeah. um, pro- you know, films like Top Gun. But there's also reference in this of, um, uh, they keep calling one guy Chocolate Man. <laughs> I forgot. And I, w- and I thought I was going to, I was worried that was, like, a racist reference to the only black character in this yeah. show. They're like, you were with the chocolate man. And I was, it's not about that. Thank God. 
Mm-hmm. And that really scared me. I was like, oh. But I also don't know who they were talking about. It seemed like... <laughs> so you know they were talking about the- Chocolate Man. It wasn't a black character, but you also don't know who this Chocolate Man was. Yeah, maybe it was Crank. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, do you know? I, I don't know. I, I didn't pick up on Chocolate Man. Is this uh, just a dub thing? Did they like? Is it like one I, of those? I don't know. And the sub- like I say, a lot of the show just flies over my head, even when I'm watching it. So yeah, um, there, there's also a reference, uh, lastly, of them like uh, the blonde villain. He he talks about how Gundam machines have affected mankind throughout history, which just like got me excited about like. So when was the first Gundam machine? Discovered? Oh, you won't learn about that at all. <laughs> uh, no i know but i was just like it would have been now you for me i'm like it would be more interesting to be like they discovered the first gundam machine in the sands of egypt when they were yeah. building pyramids i was like oh that would have been interesting but so, uh, last alas we don't know yeah and again like this show it's just it is so goddamn serialized that it really is <laughs> Uh, not the best suited to our format, and yet I felt compelled to pick it because, again, it is on Netflix. And as you know, as far as my coworkers I know who love giant robot animes, they fucking love the show. So you know, maybe I should have had them on as a guest to uh, to talk about it and vouch <laughs> for it. Because, maybe no, that. <laughs> you go. No, because yeah, like again, like we are we are being mean to the show, but I think this this if anything is kind of a learning point of just like yeah, some of these things are just are just so goddamn serialized, they just don't really work uh, as individual episodes. No, and I mean, that's part of, I think that's what's gonna, what's fun about this podcast. But also for me, I'm like, even these episodes, even though like, you know, we only covered like the, yeah, the first five of what you said, like about 50 episodes. Hmm. Um, there was just not anything there that would make me want to like even continue it. Like sure. go back and like, I'll watch episode two and four and like, hmm. you know, I will be caught up. Like there's just, it was just such a hard show for me to get into. It's just like, it doesn't like, I'm not a big, like, I'm not a big sci-fi. I like, I'm a, I like sci-fi, but like, it's never the genre I pick to go okay. for when I'm, uh, when I'm watching stuff. Uh, but I also, I'm like, I want it to be better. Like there's this element where I'm like, yeah, giant robots. Like there's something cool about that. But then there's, it's just missing something for me. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just a personal thing. Maybe it's like, why I was disappointed by Pacific Rim, as we've established mm-hmm. earlier. Um, you know, it's just like, is I feel like there's a better way into these kinds of worlds and stories. And there's and certainly think- better, there's even better Gundam shows. I've already kind of in, there. I, you know, Gundam Wing is such a goddamn cheesy show, and it was a contender for certainly uh, being the first Gundam show to cover on here. Uh, yeah. I have an idea for another show that it certainly is better and more up to your speed. I won't say what it is, but you've certainly, you've certainly jogged me in terms of what, what we should do to redeem Gundam next time we inevitably recover it. Yeah. That's the one thing that interests me though, is to the fact that there Gundam is a bigger subgenre of anime. Yeah. And there's other stories. So it's not like, Oh, this will be the same. It's just that for me, iron blooded uh, orphans is just a show that I'm just not on board with. Yeah, and um, fair, fair enough. Because even like like I think of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and I go, I'm that was also not up to like my, my tastes, but there were so many weird elements going on that you kind of had to watch because you're like, what's going on? It, like, it, just, it was like, certainly just, a bizarre adventure. 
it really is. It really, let, you know, stuck to its name. So where it's like Iron Blooded Orphans just made me Iron Blooded Mad. And and you know something like My Hero Academia or One Punch Man, which you know are part of that superhero genre. So it is something that you're definitely more used to. Yeah. I will say, though, I did like that the Nazi stash guy <laughs> got his uh, kermuppance, and <laughs> I'm glad that he, uh, you know, was sent away that they defeated him, at least in this arts we watched. Yeah, we, we, got to, we got to see him get owned. So, so I think a show like My Hero Academia or um, One Punch Man, you know, it fits within that superhero mold that you are obviously used to. And a lot of also just American audiences in general are kind of used to, which is why they've, they've taken off more than any other show. I mean, but this has like the military element, and I feel like there's a lot of like military esque shows and films to like draw upon. Mm. I just like, I think, I just don't know. Again, yeah, like I said, I think there's, it. I'm excited to see what else there is in the genre. Because mm. it doesn't sound like Iron Blooded, Blooded Orphans uh, is up to stuff. Yeah, again, it, it's, it's a good representation of what Gundam is when it's average. And that, and that is worth covering, I feel. Like, it's like, this is what a basic Gundam show is. It's got Gundam pilots. It's got, you know, people rebelling against the system. And it's certainly perfectly watchable if you just want to watch a show like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And who knows? Maybe other, these other Gundam shows I'm not going to like. And it turns out I'm just not a fan <laughs> of this subgenre. Or maybe it was just the show. For and I'm sure. excited to see, uh, you know, what we do in future episodes. Because I still don't know what we do uh, episode to episode until we get to the end. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that ends this episode off pretty well. So before before we leave you, dear listener, I, I have to assign the, uh, the next show, or in this case, because next week is episode five, I'll be assigning a movie. And uh, that movie is The Wind Rises, the Studio Ghibli classic, uh, Heo Miyazaki's final film before he unretired yet again. <laughs> um, it's on Netflix. Um, give it a watch. I've never seen a Studio Ghibli film, so I'm excited. Yeah, it's, it's your first time for Ghibli, and we're starting you with the, uh, we're, we're going backwards. We're, we're starting with the last one. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting. Anyways, you can follow us, dear listener, you can follow us on Is This Anime Pod on Twitter, as well as Is This Anime Pod on Instagram. You can listen to us every single Tuesday. Um, yeah, I hope, you, I hope you enjoyed this episode more than we enjoyed this show. Yeah, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. And hopefully, uh, I've heard so many good things about Studio Ghibli, or Ghibli, however you pronounce it. Uh, I'm excited uh, to dive into uh, one of their movies.